Welcome to Senior Connect, a podcast by Okra. In this episode of Feed Your Brain, host Andrea Barato talks with Jean Makesh, CEO of The Lantern Group, to discuss caregivers, and how they are the future of treating Alzheimer's disease. Hello, and welcome to Feed Your Brain. I am your host, Andrea Parado. As responsible caregivers and care providers, are we collectively doing everything we can to enable our elderly to lead a life that is fulfilling and purposeful? I am joined today by Jean Makesh, CEO of The Lantern Group. Hello, Jean. How are you today? Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I want to talk a little bit today about caregivers. I'm excited. I'm really super excited for you having me here again. Oh, good. Because as a caregiver, um, I would like to ask you if we, as caregivers, can combine learning and treatment as a part of the caregiving process. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, one of the things I realized, providing care to an Alzheimer is a team approach. It is a team approach. The last 15 years, you know, what I noticed um, directly engaging with uh, with an Alzheimer and, and seeing how our caregivers interact and engage um, and how the other team members interact and engage. So in my mind, I, I and I truly believe that, I in my mind, I think the caregiver ha- is has a power, has a power, and I mean it in a nice way. Has a power, the knowledge, uh, the time, the freedom of time, many opportunities a caregiver has to treat Alzheimer's disease more than a more than a doctor, more than a therapist. Oh, do tell! I want to know more. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. See, when you, when you look at neuroplasticity, let's talk about neuroplasticity for a second. Okay. Right? So for neuroplasticity to happen, a, a, a task that needs to be learned has to be repeated at least a minimum of 400 to 450 times for the neural network to form, for, for neuroplasticity plasticity to happen, for the individual to learn something new. Okay. Okay, now let's, uh, so we need, four, let's start with 400 repetitions. So we start, how do we get 400 repetitions? Let's assume that I have Alzheimer's and I need uh, 400 repetitions. I have, and I, for, I got to get at least, let's say, four repetitions a day. Okay. Okay. Four repetitions a day. 400 repetitions, uh, I'm going to need at least close to what? About three months. Mm -hmm. So for me to learn something new, for me to learn something for for a a simple task as feeding myself or combing my hair or shaving, I have to practice practice that at least, I can't even talk today. I have to practice that at least 400 times. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, let's say that if a the doctor doesn't have the time to have me go through that 400 repetitions. Shaving is just a physical activity, an activity of daily living. I'm talking about memory. Right. I'm talking about problem solving. I'm talking about orientation, different cognitive functions. For me to register that one, for me to remember you, I have to see you 400 times. 
Okay. Okay. So if I want to remember my children, I have to see my children 400 times. And I have to keep seeing my children more frequently. So that is that learning memory. Hmm. Similar to brushing my teeth, you know, shaving or feeding. That's why if, uh, if, an in, if an Alzheimer is able to do certain things, if they're able to feed themselves, if they're able to shave, if they're able to brush their teeth, we have to keep encouraging them to do it. Okay. Okay. We want to keep getting those repetitions in, getting those repetitions in. Because if you don't repeat it, you will lose it. With, with, it happens normally. Even right. with, you know, people, with, with, you know, us without the disease. More so with Alzheimer's because the brain is losing its neurons. And you don't want the pruning to happen more than what it should. The disease itself is chopping it, pruning the neurons. And you don't want to add or fuel that by not doing that task. Make sense? So if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. So if you have an Alzheimer who can dress, bathe, groom, have them do it. Have them do it. Have them do it. Have them repeat it over and over. Now, coming back to talking about the caregivers having the power to treat someone with Alzheimer's disease, who can get the repetitions from the, from the, from the senior? I have a good guess. I bet it's the caregivers. It's only the caregivers. They're in the rooms. In the rooms. All the time. All the time working with them. The caregivers know the senior's ritual. Yes. The caregivers now use the same ritual, you know, emulate, try to create opportunities for the ritual to happen. And then the caregivers, if they want the senior to dress, encourage them to dress, break down the task, the dressing task into smaller Smaller steps. It'll take time. It's okay. But have them dress on their own. Don't rush through. So, so getting those repetitions. Caregivers can get those repetitions. Incorporating fun activities. Creating a, a, a fun environment mm -hmm. would allow them, enable the senior to participate. So that's one way of retaining what you have. Now, in, a, in an activity setting, in a group setting, you have the activities director, mm -hmm. who I also believe should be a caregiver. Because a caregiver is directly involved in the client's life. In the, when, I, when I say client, the senior's life. Right. Right. Right from getting the senior ready to getting the senior back to bed. Right. Every aspect. Every aspect, caregivers are involved. So dressing is something that the, uh, the senior has to learn, getting dressed in the morning. When they go to the bathroom every two hours or whatever the routine is, have the client, the senior, do the same task again. So that, that you get that repetition, dressing again, dressing, undressing when you go to the bathroom. Going to bed, same thing, you get the repetition. So that's why I feel that the caregivers have immense amount of power to treat someone with Alzheimer's disease. They can teach. I, I foresee caregivers in the future to be teachers, to be trainers, to be instructors, just not providing care, actually finding ways to create that music, incorporating the client and enabling the senior participate in the care. And I think in indulging them, in, in involving them, having them do those kind of activities is very important. And only a caregiver can do that. Now, 
a disease becomes a problem if the disease prevents you for, for caring, from caring for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Or it kills you. Right. Or for caring others. Those are right. the three, right? Because a disease is a problem only if it impairs my ability to care for myself or care for you or it is so, or it takes my life away from right. me. It takes right. my life. So caring for myself is washing my hands, washing my face, shaving, feeding, you know, brushing my teeth, dressing, bathing, walking, able to do stuff. Right. So if, if we are able to enable and create opportunities for our seniors to stay functional as much as possible by creating that cognitive reserve through neuroplasticity, through new learning, in, uh, uh, incorporating those sensory components that I, we talked about in our previous episode, the motor functions, we keep the brain healthy. We, 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 we recruit neurons. It, yes, we cannot stop the neurons from dying, but we can continue to find ways to recruit new neurons, create, create opportunities for neurogenesis, birth of new neurons, enabling the senior live a good, healthy lifestyle, go to bed timely, sleep well, good balanced diet, cut out high cholesterol food, more fibers, more vegetables, sleeping well, resting well, taking breaks, activities, I think. All of this is part of a caregiver responsibility, right? Yes. You know, it's not a therapist, it's not a physician, it's not someone in the hospital. That's why I feel that caregivers have played a huge role, make a huge impact in, in, our, in, our, in our senior's life. Compare, I always compare our caregivers to daycare providers. Children, when they go, when we, when I drop my children, child off at a daycare center or you know pre-kindergarten, I'm dependent on those early um, childhood teachers, right, yes. to teach and to shape my children. They learn to, they learn the alphabets, and forget about alphabets, even even to potty train. Yes, simple basic stuff, mm -hmm. basic communication skills, how to engage with socialization, all of that they learn. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and I think that in our setting, in a, in a nursing home, assisted living, memory care setting, we gotta, I think we have to look to the daycare centers, childcare centers, you know, how those early childhood educators are preparing the child to face the world, how they incorporate all the sensory components, all the motor components, the new learning. The early childhood educator is just not a teacher. They're also caregivers. They do party the kids. They do take the kids to the bathroom. They do dress them up, change. Mm -hmm. They do all of it. Feeding, feeding, everything. all of it. And I think, I think we we need that small mental shift. Mental shift is so, very important. Yes, that was gonna that was gonna be my next question. So I've been in the healthcare industry for over twenty two years as a caregiver. Um, and I haven't seen a whole lot of changes in the way that we care for um, seniors in the care industry. Do you think it is time for that uh, traditional care model to kind of go the wayside and for us to find a different way? And how can we do that? I, I think it's time. I, I really think I'm counting on the millennials and the Gen Zs, <laughs> and, and the Gen Zs. to do that. I, I, I think it's time because... Um, if we continue to uh, care the way it did, I don't think we're doing anything useful 
for our um, for our seniors. See, Arf, we have to look at our seniors and go like, okay, they have retired. It's time for them to thrive, no matter what. Right. And I think that that mind that mind that mindset, you know, we need to have that mindset. The mentality has to change. Uh, see, a child is seen as a future citizen. That's why we pour into a child's life. Yes. Right. Everything yes. we do, we want to make sure the child gets the best education, best learning experience, best exposure. You know, when it comes to anything and everything possible you can think of, you know, right from socialization to language skills to all of it you know, mannerism and things like that. But when you look at a senior, we don't look at a, as a senior as a contributor, but we see a senior as someone who's consuming, mm -hmm. who's taking everything, and they're, they're on their way out. Now, you tell me, you and I, we work every single day for a way out or for a way in, <laughs> to stay in, I should say, to stay in. Right. Our retirement is our, our way up to stay in and have a good time. Yes. Right? I have yes. a good life. You know, it's not a way out. So that change has to happen. That aging, the way we look at aging has to happen. You know, there's this normal feeling and, and impression and, and understanding is that when you're 40 years old, you're, you're old. You know, you start aging when you're 40. That is not true. Actually, we start aging the day we are born. Yes, that's very true. Right? Because, yeah. you know... Every day is, okay, you're a day older. Yep, a week older, a month older. Oh, exactly. So we start aging the day we are born. So I think that, again, when we, when, when we look at aging, we have to look at aging differently. And it, it's not when you're 40 years old. You know, I think when you're 40, you're beginning to live. To, for me, Good news. For me, 70 is the new 50. 60 is the new 40. 50 is the new 30, and 40 is the new 20. That's good news. It's, it, think about it for a second. Do we live longer on this planet younger, or do we live longer on this planet older? So you, let's say that 40 is the cutoff age to be old, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. Zero to 40, then you'll have someone living up to 90. That's 50 years. Right. So you are living longer older than living younger. Right. Okay, with, with technology, with medicine, with nutrition, with lifestyle changes, with planet being more green, all of that is changing. So it's time for us to look at aging very differently. It's time for us to look at caring very differently. It's time to look past clean, dry, safe. Yes, we it's, yes, exactly. We need to, we, because I, in my mind, you know, when, I, when we have a senior coming into our buildings, in our communities, we got to figure a way to help them, enable them, or create opportunities for them to thrive. And unfortunately, I cannot do it alone. Right. It, it's the mindset shift and the mind change, the change in mindset has to happen throughout the industry, throughout the population. I agree. I agree. And I think that I spent a lot of years with that clean, dry, safe mentality. And there were some emotional moments and there were some good connections and good moments of engagement. But it could have been so much better. So much better. So much better. Absolutely. And I Absolutely. just think the more knowledge and understanding we have of Alzheimer's disease, the better care providers and caregivers that uh, we can become. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you for that insightfulness. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm just having a blast here. Oh, me I, too. And I'm learning so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.okra.com for more great content.